Hello, and welcome to Fantastic Comic Fan. I am your host, R.T. Fleming, and it is my mission to help you find your next digital comic book pick from the golden age to now. I have been reading comic books for over 40 years, and have never lost my passion for comic books. Something I try to pass on to old and new readers. It's Wednesday, July 26, 2023, and this is episode 111 of the podcast. Today I'm bringing on Ryan, and I'll not even attempt to pronounce his last name correctly. I always mess it up. Now, Ryan's been on the show several times in the past, and you'll find links to some of those shows in the show notes. You know, you've probably never heard of Ryan. He's one of those countless fantastic comic book creators out there. He's both a writer and an artist with a unique style that I've come to appreciate over the months that I've gotten to know him. As usual, this is a short-form podcast. It'll take about 20 minutes of your time. We talk about his latest projects, how it is to be a freelancer living in New York City, and, well, pack a lot into the show. Check it out. Ryan gets a unique perspective on things as a creator and comic book as a whole. Now, if you're new to the podcast, thank you for checking it out. Again, this is generally a short-form podcast that tends not to feature comics at your local comic book shop. Look, there are already too many podcasts that do that kind of thing. Instead... I often talk or bring on guests to talk about creators fans should know about. I also cover older comics from the golden age to the not-so-quite-present. Folks, there are tons of fantastic comic books out there that should be read and reread. If you're new to the podcast, thank you for checking it out. I hope you continue to set up for the show. Please look at the show notes and follow the podcast on social media and subscribe to the podcast. I want the podcast to continue to grow, and as I said, I want to introduce fans to a different way of discovering and reading fantastic comic books. Now on to today's show. Welcome back to the podcast. I am happy to bring back Ryan Gertes, and after being on three or four times, I actually get your name correct this time around, Ryan. You were last. You actually, you actually didn't, but that's okay. Oh, geez, Ryan, I tried. What? Did, how do you say your last name? It's becoming a part of your charm that you. <laughs> I never get your name right. What, how do you? It's, uh, Gutierrez, but it's okay. Gutierrez, <laughs> I got it close. I was close. All right. So uh, you've been on the podcast. Last time you were on, we're Christmas time, talking about Christmas comic books. Um, yeah. Tell the listeners who might not be familiar with you, a new listener, a little bit about yourself. Uh, I am Ryan Gutierrez. It's nice to meet all of you people listening in your uh, bedrooms and bathrooms when you're chilling out <laughs> in the podcast. Uh, I'm a professional artist and writer. Um, I mostly work, uh, you know, making ends meet as a penciler and inker and sometimes even full colorist for um, uh, Steve Stern for his company, um, Storyboard Graphic Novel. But in the past couple of years, I've started doing a lot more creator-owned stuff and getting more publications here and there. And I'm slowly turning into a full-time creator-owned uh, comic book artist and writer. Yeah, you live in New York City. and your artwork, Yeah, and your artwork is the main source of income. How does that work out, being a freelance artist in one of the most expensive cities in the world? Uh, mathematically, it makes sense. But... I seem to get it working because I work constantly, I work quickly, and I try to be very careful what I spend my money on. But it's funny you ask because I am in the process of actually trying to leave New York. Me and my girlfriend are talking about where we want to live, and we're kind of doing a tour of America, looking at different spots, and I think the country is, is, is in order. I think that's, that's what's coming. 
some uh, some some long walks on country roads in my future. Where I live in Tennessee is exactly the perfect. It's a sweet spot for me. So yes, I love where I live. Um, I was digging around like I normally do, and I saw that you're using that Art Station platform. Yeah. So what's all that about? Why are you part of it? And does it actually work in achieving your goals as an artist? Art Station is interesting because there's some comic book artists on Art Station, but it does seem to be mostly uh, people who do concept art and, and like full illustrations, such as Dungeons and Dragons and things like that. Um, it's it is a professional platform. So it is mostly for people who are in the business trying to get more work. There's tons of jobs that do come up. Um, they've had some controversy lately because they, they were very slow in mitigating the flood of AI artwork filling up the, uh, the platform because it angered a lot of professional artists who were like, hey, I'm here like trying to get work. Why is someone who's never drawn a, you know anything in their life able to upload a, something that's AI, you know, that's stealing? Yeah, just generating by taking work from 100 other people and then calling it theirs and, and literally putting it on a professional website that shouldn't be allowed. So they were very slow to react to that. I think that controversy lost them a bit of legitimacy in the eyes of some people. Um, I, I, I get it. I mean, I kind of agree, but I'm, I'm still on there. Um, people, it's, it's actually a really nice place to have your portfolio up because they have really good design interface. It looks very professional, very polished. Um, and it's really easy for people who want to hire you to contact you through ArtStation. So I would say, even with all that, if you're someone starting off, I would say, yeah, still use it, definitely. So you're the creator of West Deacon, and you just landed a project scout. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. But what else have you done in comic books? What else have I done in comics? Uh, it's mostly been work for hire. I mean, honestly, um, I, except for I did have Buzzard and Bone come out um, last year, uh, written by my good friend, Nick Philpot, who's uh, actually on my letter on my new project. Um, a wonderful guy and a great writer. And we had four issues of that that we did. However, we just got the rights back because we want to switch publishers because things with SourcePoint didn't really work out for us. Um, just certain like logistical things we just want to do differently so we have the rights back and we're actually looking to maybe do that again as a kickstarter in the future um because we really like having complete ownership of the book and how we published it and who we you know marketed to etc so tell us a little bit about west deacon how many issues it's gone how it came about and well she got planned for that particular comic book well uh we're two issues in right now um, their large comics are about 40 pages and I'm the penciler, inker, writer, and colorist. I'm, you know, so for, for me, it, 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 it tends to be slow moving, but at least when it comes out, it's usually like 40 to 50 pages. Um, it's published through Marcosia, uh, which is a company located in the UK. Um, and they're kind of, uh, they're more like mangas. They're, they're smaller, thicker, um, it's not quite newsprint, but it's got a beautiful kind of uh, rough card stock that really makes me think of the comics I got when I was a kid, which is what I really like about it. Um, but there, it's a fantasy, uh, cosmic superhero kind of Silver Age, uh, you know, gods and monsters epic. Um, and it's it's really a saga. It's meant to be like a space opera that can go on forever. It's kind of evergreen. We're two issues in. Um, it's been doing really well. I'm getting a lot of feedback from readers. He's sending me emails telling me like, hey, when are you going to put up an email list so I can pre-order book three? And, you know, all, all, like I love that kind of feedback. It gets me so happy. Um, so we have that. Um, we have the first two issues out. They're doing really well. Issue three, I think, is slated for uh, September. That's right. kind of that's because um, I'm working on that in this new project at the same time. If, you know, I, I guess I'll just never sleep again. But um, 
but it's yeah, it's looking good. Every issue, I feel like I improve as a as a creator. So I think it keeps building momentum, and people keep. I'm seeing other people hashtag it, and, and people doing uh, box, unboxing videos and tagging me in it, and it's fully like when the when the book arrives. Um, and I'll I'll be sure to add, ask you to include a link so people can find it if they want to pick up, see what they're missing. Now, Marcosia has just the UK rights, but not the US rights. Is that correct, or how does that work? Because I know you're on Comic you're on Comicology. And Amazon, yeah. which is a platform that just is not very good at all. I, I think you might agree with that concept. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I get no sales report from Comixology. So I, I don't know how much the book sells until I get my royalty check. And then I'm like, oh, hey, people like it. I guess that's great. But I, I, think, I think because I'm a nobody, they're just like, you know, oh, whatever. <laughs> but maybe when, when, I, maybe when I get to issue three and we make a certain amount of sales, we'll start being nice. But yeah, I, I'm not a huge fan of how they treat creators. I mean, at least from my personal experience. Have, um, you, have you tried go ahead. possibly some of the other digital platforms, the digital comic books that are being launched in different ways? Um, I, I honestly, I need to learn more about it because I think that that's probably where the future is going to be. Is I think it's really important that you make these things available because, you know, comicsology is one of those things that like, I don't know how many people are using it. I don't know how many people are seeing it. So I get reviews for the book and they're really good and people like leave five stars and that's cool, but it doesn't give me a good sense of how many people are actually making contact with it because I want, you know, I want to share this with more people. So if, I mean, after the show, you should definitely tell me what other platforms uh, you think I could use without violating my contract because I don't know what kind of exclusivity Marcosia might have with uh, Amazon slash Comicsology. Because I also noticed that Mar Marcosia has your comic books also available through drive through comics. Mm -hmm. did, you, did you know that? Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that was a part of, the, you know, when I initially signed with them, um, I don't know how much it affects. I mean, I, th I think from what I understand, my share of the book sales is the same. So I'm all for whatever they want to sell it so long as, you know, <laughs> so long as it doesn't alter the, the, the arrangement that I have with the company. Okay. Could, could you actually, would you have to get the permission to put it on these other digital platforms or how, how does that work on your end? That's a great question. That's a great question. I mean, if I switch to a different platform, I probably do need to discuss with them to make sure that they get some of the sales. I guess I could have them set it. I can I can maybe go through them to do it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I know that they said that they're even open to me doing a Kickstarter um, for issue three of Westington, which obviously would be good because the Kickstarter, we could arrange it so that it covers the overhead for, for the book printing, in which case the creators of the book, which is one person, which is me, um, it gets more of the, you know, of the income from it. And then I can produce book four a little faster without having to take 16 jobs at once, you know. You just landed a title with Scout Comics, Black Marl. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, I am thrilled about this new project. Um, yeah, the Black Marrow is, is a book that I, I got the idea and then I started drawing it that night. And then I wrote the script while drawing it, the Marvel method that I do, which people think is crazy, but seems to work for me. And like, I'm not kidding you, a month and a half later, it was, it, it's already like getting ready for publication. So like it did, just happened. That's how the scout, I mean, they just like, liked it that well that you got it landed or. I mean, I, if I can be immodest, it seems that way. They, they reacted really strongly to it. And it was really exciting because I, I sent it to a few publishers, but Scout is obviously one that I really had my eye on because they have a really good reputation for how they collaborate with creators. And, and they're growing. A lot of these other publishers seem to have shrunk and had layoffs during the COVID and shrunk, shrunk actually grew. Shrunk and dying out there. This, you know, dying. 
So comics have had a really rough year, but apparently Scout actually grew even as the year was rough, which is really exciting and impressive to me because they, they have like a really smart business model uh, because the guy who owns the company apparently is very, very good at managing a company. And he's also very passionate about comics. And that's someone I really wanted to work with. So I pitched the book to them and it was really fun because I could see that like the Google Doc was being shared with multiple people. And I'd look up who they are. And it's like, oh, these are editors at Scout, all of them. And I was r- ramping up in anticipation for that email. And then they messaged me and they were like, hey, we love the book. We want to do it. And I, I was just psyched, completely psyched. So who would Black Marrow appeal to? And how many issues are you planning to put out initially? Um, right now, I would say I'm going to answer your last question first, because um, I'm going to Tarantino this and tell the story out of order. Uh, the The book, I think, is something the, the length of it is like determining how frequent the release is and I, I tend to favor longer graphic I like like longer like not necessarily full graphic novels every release but bigger than a floppy so what we're kind of doing right now is the script that I'm working with is based on like a 40 to 50 page issue so what I'd like to do is do like two or three of those a year um and the, it, it's and each one would have an isolated beginning middle and end that each each story is like an episodic. That's really what I wanted to do with Blackmar. I wanted it to be, it's a gothic Western horror superhero demon hunter in the, this this landscape called the Raptured West, which is just like it's kind of an amalgam of uh, the old West and like Victorian horror, like vampires, werewolves, and and you know fairy tales mixed with um, the grit of an American Western. Nice. And the hero. Not to burst your bubble, Ryan, but Western Go comics on. Western comics don't sell. <laughs> I really love that you say it every time out here. That's gotta be like our stick. I know, I know, I know, and I keep making them and then and then like, people buy them. But but essentially, um it's funny because it, it is also a horror. So now I'm, I'm interested in seeing if it sells really well. Am I gonna be like, oh, Westerns do sell, or somebody be like, Yeah, but it's about a werewolf. So like <laughs> that's <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, I mean the hero of the story. He's a, he's a traveling lawman. He's in a he's a protector of the innocent and a and a, and a hunter of monsters. And he himself is a, a werewolf, but he he doesn't have any issues with transformation because he's sort of given himself over to the balance between man and beast. So he's just permanently in the state of being a wolf man. When we're done with and this pod- when we're done with this yeah, podcast yeah. Um, off camera. Give me the drugs you took while you were putting this together, because I need to some. So I need some kind of escape like that sometimes, and that's sure. just yeah. But anyways, go on with your. Um... No, I'll ship them over to you if I if I can get them okay. through customs. I'll send them to you. Okay, you know what? Because you were talking off camera about my uh, my special uh, typing about paper. your constant search for drugs. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll trade you drugs for my my special really thick typing paper that you can use for conventions for sketches and stuff. So we'll make a, a deal at the end. So yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. So um, back to Black Morrow. Is it an adult comic book? Uh, I think it's a similar audience to what West Deacon is. It's anyone from the age of like I'd say twelve to up can enjoy. I mean, it's there. It's very violent, but it's mostly like of course monster violence. Yeah, of course. Uh, how could I not have blood and guts? But it is, um, I would say it's, I think the term they use for doom when I said it's, uh, it's horror for the whole family, meaning it's, it's scary, but it's more like, you know, it's a guy blowing up monsters. It's not, it's not like a, um, it's not like a war movie where you're going to be like, you know, traumatized if you're a child. It's, if anything, I think the violence in it might be really empowering for people because if you're a little kid like me and you were afraid of the dark and you get to see a guy blow up vampires, it's pretty cool. So when does it come out? 
Uh, we don't have a release date yet because we're still uh, we're still hammering out the the art. Really, I mean, we're going we're going for about forty to fifty pages. We may we may just have to split it into two issues. But right now, they're giving me a lot of freedom, which is one of the reasons I love Scout. And they're telling me if I if I want, I can do it as a forty to fifty page book. And the pitch was about sixteen, seventeen pages. Wow. So I gotta I gotta I gotta draw the rest of it. Um, and um, and I'm really looking forward to it. But we're looking at a release date probably around the same time that I wanted to have West Deacon 3 come out. So maybe late August, early September. Good luck. Um, thank you. Yeah, we're, we're going to be doing two, uh, at least two variants, and we're going to be doing one metallic like chrome cover for Black, for Black Marrow, which I'm absolutely, I can't wait for that. Have you told your girlfriend about your plans for the rest of the summer, and has she broken up with you yet? <laughs> She's she's actually packing her bags while we're talking. Okay. She's like, I mean, <laughs> this weekend, I mean, like I, I've been revising the script and getting really excited because this is going to be a, a nice big fat publication, and I spent most of this weekend just writing and just like revising it, and then you know, and, I, and it's funny because it's like she's not into monsters and horror, but I'll be like, oh honey, look at this great thing I wrote, and we'll show her this. <laughs> and her eyes roll, and her eyes roll back in her head. She 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 she, yeah, she, she yeah. a bobblehead. Okay, it's yeah, great. yeah, yeah. I look away, I look back, and it's just her hat spinning in the air. Like, yeah. You know, yes. So, but no, she's, she's really supportive. She's a wonderful, wonderful woman. I think I'll keep her around. <laughs> so, you are incredibly lucky that you can actually live in New York and actually make a living off of your artwork, which is really hard to do because there's a lot of people that are like starving artists out there. So, how much, yeah. how much networking do you do, like on social media and other areas? I mean, do you really hustle? Or are you just, really lucky because you sold your soul multiple times. I'd say, you know, if anyone's having doubts, just just keep selling your soul and see what happens. You know, just keep, no, I mean, seriously, I would say I, I don't really, I don't really do um, so much promotion. I, I do now. I mean, like I have my Instagram, which has been really good to me because something about it works for me, the format where it's primarily the image and a little bit of caption underneath as opposed to Twitter, where every time I go to Twitter, I get folded. <laughs> it's like, I just see like, there's so much traffic in, in Twitter, it's overwhelming. But Instagram, it's a little more uh, easy for me to, to manage without getting, like, sucked into my phone. Um, but basically, I mean, I do a lot of self-promotion through Instagram by posting my artwork, and then I boost the post, and then I take a look. But now I mostly use it to promote books that I'm writing and that are, that are coming out, you know. Um, I would say if anyone's wondering, like, how do I do that, how do I manage? I mean, the advice is um, they're not going to like it because it's mostly just saying, you want to be a professional artist there's that saying you know uh an artist draws when they feel like it a professional artist draws when they don't um and it's just I, you just have to be constantly making work and constantly showing it to people and just you know email editors constantly you know not, not the same guy constantly but always be reaching out to editors and being like hey it's been a month or two is there any work for me out there so you you're really like, you really do hustle and treat it as a like you should as a profession yeah, yeah. I mean, I have work sessions that's just sending emails. That's <laughs> just sending emails. Just being like, "Hey, how are you? It's been a month. I know you mentioned this this thing you wanted me to draw two months ago, and I wanted to check in and see if that's ready to go yet." Because sometimes people just they're just forget tired, and they just forget. Yeah. So you and that work might be there for you. You know, if an editor says they like your work, they're not lying because why would they put themselves in that position? <laughs> you know. I've seen them if they're not planning to hire you. You just have to be always be present, always be kind, because half of this business is basically someone saying, I like that guy and I'm happy to work with him again because he's easy to work with. And the other half is knowing what you're doing and being good at it. And you just gotta be both. 
So you have a distinctive art style. Who are your influences? Because you really do have a very uh, unique style. It's very different than a lot of people out there. And that's why you also stand out. I appreciate that. Thank you. I, you know, what's funny is I don't, I don't see the art style when I look at my work. I actually look at my, my art and I'm like, oh, this is like fairly mainstream American comic art that you would see in like a Marvel book in the 90s. Like that's kind of how I feel about it. But other people tell me it's like wacky and nuts. And I, I think some of that's because of the design. I have a weird sense of design. I think my anatomy and my faces are something you would see in a lot of books, but I think the, the creatures I create are weird. It's the drugs. Yeah. It's the it drugs. Is, it's, it's the drug. I promise it's in the mail. I, it's, it's, I just hope <laughs> okay. it doesn't get confiscated. Okay. If you just <laughs> if you can see a big box, it's not anthrax. Don't throw it out. That, that's my inspiration. <laughs> um, but yeah, I say my, my influence is, I mean, I, I, the thing that, that I would <laughs> recommend is to look at Europe a lot and look at Japan a lot and then come back to American comics. Meaning, don't go. I because I, I I I mean I don't think anyone looking at my work would think that I'm doing anime. It doesn't look anything like that. But I think there's things that you can learn from the different cultures of art. I think uh, French comics are some of the most like aesthetically gorgeous, and like Italian comics. Um, I think um, like European comics, looking at like humanoids, looking at that work, the way that they would do watercolor paintings for every page, like that's kind of the style that I go for. But when I'm doing an action sequence which is a lot of my, you know, I, I tend to do action adventure stories with big fight scenes. And, you know, when I do that stuff, I look at a lot of Japanese stuff because I think there's a sense of motion that exists in Eastern comics that is just incredible. And I think it's something that we sometimes forget here in the West because we're, we get very focused with elevating the medium of comics and having it look very painterly and realistic in detail. But sometimes, sometimes we forget you got to create a sense of motion and that you need that artifice, you need that, 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 that lie. And sometimes it means exaggerating things and being less realistic because it's got to jump off the page. So I would say those are my influences. Um, I love Mobius. Um, I love uh, Takahiko Inoue, you know, things like that. So as a freelancer, have you noticed any big changes or trends in the last few years with the comic industry as far as your end of things? You know, it's hard to say because I, I've worked pretty steadily for mid-level publishers um, and there's been changes in my career personally, but I think it's been mostly because things have just gotten better for me. Um, the changes I've noticed in the industry is that I would say there's a lot more conflict than when I was um, younger. There's a lot more arguing about what should or should not be in the industry. I think it's one of the, one of the sense I'm getting about the comic industry for the past few years is that, it's trying to figure out what is the best way to adapt to the current digital landscape. And some have argued that they've been really slow to adapt. I think they're doing better now. But I think the discussion about the market of comics and about the medium of comics and about, and about how it needs to get into people's hands and we need to make sure people always somewhere or have access to this art form that's been with America for so long. I think that discussion has is much more heated than it used to be. And I think it's because everybody has really strong opinions about it, about it, you know? So Ryan of West Deacon and now Scout Comics with your Black Moro, uh, Moro, sorry. Do you have any parting thoughts before we end this up? Um, I would say, okay, my parting thoughts are going to be, I, you know, I just turned 37 a week and a half ago. So I now feel old enough to start lecturing the younger listeners. So let me let me adjust myself in my. Well, you don't my, look. A, you, my, you don't look. A, you don't look a day over thirty-five. So. Oh, thank you. <laughs> That's what that was when I sold my soul the third time. It was for age. Oh, okay. Career. 
Yeah, so the, I'm going to look at like a frumpy 35-year-old for eternity. It's a blessing and a curse. Um, the advice I would give to the younger listeners is that if you want to work in comics, if you want to be an artist, there's two bits of advice. One, don't forget that you can also be great at something else. <laughs> like, because there's people I've seen who have been my peers who fell off and they were heartbroken when they realized it wasn't going to happen for them. And they were guys I knew for a long time. People I knew who, some of them, um, they, they just. Well, that's it for today's podcast. Again, I would love to hear from you. Fantastic comic fan at gmail.com. Remember, new episodes every Wednesday. Thanks so much for listening to this episode, and I hope to see you next time.